0: Now listening to LostCast, the Lost Decade Games podcast.
1: Surely take two is perfect. Surely. The perfect We'll pretend
0: that that's that's
1: the case. Yeah. Okay, you want to jump in? Yes. Welcome to LostCast episode 216. I'm Matt Hackett. And I'm Jeff Blair. We do have questions uh, ready to go, and we appreciate those from uh, Andre and... Dan Nagel, and we will get to those eventually. But we sometimes need to t- take a hold of the podcast, grab it by the reins, and uh, make it our own. <laughs> That's right. And we're gonna do that today. Break it in like a wild stallion. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, you played a game recently that i never even heard of, so I'm eager to hear about that. And I played Breath of the Wild recently, and I mean, I have opinions, as I do as, thoughts. Yeah surprising you have 216 episodes of opinions <laughs> you, to be exact. yeah more opinions for me i can't believe it i'm shocked yeah so uh let's see let's should we play uh, rochambeau to figure out who which game we talk about first <laughs> i'm not sure how
0: rochambeau is gonna work over audio but
1: I'm i'll just go lie I'll, I'll say i'll say which one i pick and then you have to believe me <laughs> <That's a> strategy. <laughs> like i got scissors you're like
0: oh Rock again. Too bad, Jeff.
1: Oh, I win. What are you going to do? Too bad you don't have photographic evidence. (laughs) Let's just skip to the end then and let you go first. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So, yeah, Breath of the Wild is a new Zelda game, and I want to say notable for a couple of reasons. One is going to be it's for a, a brand new Nintendo system, and I have had every major Nintendo hardware ever released, and I don't count the Fuchsia, GameCube, or the purple game boy advance or the 3ds xl although i do have i do have one of those i also have lots of the handhelds what i'm saying but any main system i have an original nintendo i have a super nintendo 64 gamecube i I never get rid of them and i love them and i'll buy them all and i'm dedicated right what what do you have against the fuchsia gamecube You know, I was working at Toys R Us when all that stuff came out, and what we saw from the retail side, like I was working in the electronics department especially, so, because you know, I like video game stuff, but what we would see is, you know, oh, here's all these PS2s, and they sell like hotcakes, like we can never keep enough PS2s in stock, and you know what? They all look the same. Comes in a blue box, it's a black console, it looks sexy, and it, they just fly off the shelf. It's so easy to sell people. The easiest way to sell it was this, plays DVDs, boom, sold, that was it. <laughs> Right? In addition to all these games and plus like the twenty dollar bin, the the platinum bin.
0: Ridiculous.
1: I remember that PS two and then also PS three had that going for it where I
0: think PS three had the Blu-ray player and so some people would just get it for the Blu-ray player because it's like (laughs) why not?
1: Yeah, it's easy for us technophiles to be like, Oh, I don't need that, or I just want a dedicated gaming rig or whatever. But you gotta keep in mind the, the real world uh, aspect, which is people are like, look, I don't like, I can't afford a bunch of units, and I don't really want a bunch of units. So if I can have this one thing that plays most of the games I want and also plays movies and stuff, it becomes your entertainment device, and it's it's great. It's better bang for your buck, you know. Yeah. But um, we would see, you know, certain consoles selling really well, and then we would see like here's nine million different types of Nintendo hardware. There was, like, a, a Pikachu-themed N64, and we had literally hundreds of them. We used to make little structures, like an arc out of them. <laughs> you know, we would build walls, because we're like, we're never going to sell these damn things. And then one day they went on, like, liquidation, like, crazy cheap, and then they finally sold. But Nintendo would do this, where they launch a new, some hardware, right? Either console or handheld, and, like, a couple months later, here's all these weird like odd choices with colors you know fuchsia and that wasn't just like oh yeah you know one time there was this fuchsia no there was multiple uh c- you know consoles and handhelds that were like fuchsia or see-through fuchsia and like purple there was one that was like double colors and there was like pink and blue you know it was <laughs> right. weird it was really I
0: strange i think nintendo's you know always tried to go after the more casual market you know like yeah. even when the casual market wasn't described as such like, they always wanted yeah. to be like the family entertainment system. Right. Not, Cause then, yeah, like hardcore Xbox.
1: Yeah. Nintendo's been around longer than any terms we had to describe gamers, right? Casual gamers, hardcore gamers, midcore gamers. Like, Nintendo was around before that was a thing. It was just before gamer, even. It was like, yeah, I, I enjoy these things called video games. And people would be like, what are those? I like you know, it's more like buttons. that. Right. <laughs> yeah before it was even like a hobby there was nintendo making trading cards and like we have big plans <laughs> we're gonna make some really cool hardware so uh where was i going with that this is gonna be kind of a tangential cast i can tell already right well um, you're talking about breath of the wild was i Jeez, <laughs> how would i go how would i go 25 years back um i guess because of the the consoles right like i was complaining about the different types of uh game and stuff like that but right. the switch i gotta say um i actually got to um play one i got my hands on one when i was at gdc and they are sexy i think that it was um probably inspired by i mean influenced by maybe right um sony stuff and apple stuff it had more in common in my eyes with something made by sony than it does you know nintendo's last three or four generations honestly interesting Slicker, sexier, bigger screen. Uh, you know, no crazy inputs. Like, remember the N sixty four controller? You see it, and you're like, "What in God's name is that?" And you hold it all weird. You know, like it's pretty common for them to make weird peripherals and stuff. Yeah. And the Switch is like bread and butter. You know, uh, other than the the Switch aspect, which is like you take the controllers off the side and you have this weird, just screen by itself. And then you can make a little gamepad out of it. That, that part's kind of weird. But like when the unit is built, it just looks like a big PSP, honestly. Right. That's pretty cool. I, I like that a lot because
0: well, I had a PSP and I've played, I think i we swapped handhelds for a while. And I had oh, your, yeah. your Nintendo DS. That's like, true. You could just you can never get comfortable playing handhelds. At least I can't. Mm. Like if I'm at my house and I'm like I'm on the couch, right? Like you're playing on the on the couch or something, and you have a handheld and it's like you're holding it you're on your back, you're holding it above your head, and then you switch over to be on your side, and then you're on your stomach, and then, mm-hmm. like, it's just, it's not as good as, like, controlling your hand, sitting on the couch, big screen.
1: Do you think it's because you're, like, you're you're a, you're a tall dude, right? You think that's part of it? That could be, yeah. You get this little thing, and you're like, what is this? I'm gonna break this damn thing. Like, give me a, give me a real gamepad and a big screen TV, right? Yeah, it's kind of the same way I am with, like, phone gaming, maybe, you know? It's, like, it's this mm-hmm. giant
0: trying to figure out this... You know, one inch by one inch piece of glass. <laughs>
1: like Ow. fat fingering everything. Right. You need like the little stylus. <laughs> yeah. So I, I couldn't get a switch. Uh, they that came out when I was just a poor indie. And now now I'm now I'm less poor indie. But uh I couldn't get one of those, and I have a Wii U collecting dust, and it came out on Wii U as well. And what I've been hearing, actually, is that it's it's almost a better experience on Wii U. Oh, really? So I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't know how. I think that the processor might actually be a little bit um, stronger, and it might just be some people um, not quite comfortable yet with the Switch because it is something, you know, like maybe they didn't want to play it uh, as a handheld. They wanted to, you know, because that's the whole thing is you can also play it on your big screen TV, and and, I don't know, that experience, you know, it could be not... You know, frictionless, right? Yeah, maybe it doesn't, you know, push the 4K resolution of your TV or something as well. Exactly. Yeah. So I got the Wii U version. I said, screw it. <clears throat> so I've been playing it. Um, tiger hat on. Actually, I have a tiger hat now. I believe this. No, I got really? my own. I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab it right here. Not that you can just imagine. <laughs> your Matt's very own tiger hat. Tiger hat. <laughs> my very own tiger hat. It was four dollars at a Daiso. Well, you how, can't, you can't pass can, that up. Yeah, how could we not? So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I got Wii U. Or uh, Breath of the Wild for you. Finally played it, and I have thoughts, and they are preliminary because I only uh, maybe like three hours in, maybe four hours in, something like that. Uh, here are my thoughts so far. Uh, one of the other reasons I think it's a notable Zelda is not just because it's on a brand new system, but so I've also played every Zelda game ever, and I own most of them. Right, and and this is important, I think, because it's one of the few franchises where that's true, and it's and it's a big game franchise. There's all kinds of Zelda games, you know. But the very most previous uh, Zelda game, the last one launched, which was Skyward Sword, right? First one, I didn't have a whiff of interest, nothing. And the one before that, Twilight Princess, uh, I believe on Wii U as well. I, I did. I played it. I, I did the typical thing where I put somewhere between ten to thirty hours into it, and then I put the controller down, like I did with every game, every Zelda game since uh, like Majora's Mask or something. And it's not a great track record, and you know I I can point to various um, educational and/or entertainment resources as to why this is, from uh, sequelitis to um, game makers toolkits. But it boils down to they're not the games that I grew up with. You know, they're not the non linear original Legend of Zelda. They're not the charismatic, per- like bursting with personality, linked to the past, which is also eh, it's not really non linear, but it's beautiful. <laughs> Some of the <laughs> most gorgeous, like impactful, influential art of all time is in that game, and I just do not shut up. I won't. I won't shut up about it. I'll be like 80 years old in my deathbed, and I'll be like, like, link to the past. <laughs> you kids don't realize.
0: Yes. Well, plus Go it was it. impactful time in your childhood, right? Like I was very impressionable at that
1: time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So this was the first time in Zelda's history with me, which is long in storied. Uh, as as you know, we're 10 minutes in, and I haven't even talked about the gameplay yet. Uh, as you do as i do i had even i had not even touched skyward sword and i didn't have a whiff of interest and that says a lot right so what i've been hearing about breath of the wild though is that they went back to non-linear they went back to the original inspiration of legend of zelda which was miyamoto wandering around in his backyard which was like the wilds of japan finding caves and finding rivers and discarded metal objects from you know people who'd lived there before and just awesome like that's good inspiration for a game right not wolves are cool let's make link a wolf or like the ocean right like a lot of the other games that don't they don't have that that inspiration that does it for me whatever whatever that is you know
0: yeah i was uh you know i haven't had my hands on it or my eyes on it um but i have also heard that it is an open worldy kind of game which i find fascinating
1: Right, and that's almost par for the course when you think about nonlinear, you know, because when you think about the original Legend of Zelda, I think the word nonlinear comes up more than open world. You know, when people think of open world games, they don't name Legend of Zelda, even though that is kind of what it is. Maybe it's because it's not big enough, you know, it doesn't have this, you know, expansive world like Skyrim or something, Elder Scrolls games, you know, it's it's more like, um, I forget the exact size of the map, but it's relatively bite sized, you know, like you can wander the whole thing in just uh, a matter of minutes, you know. It's weird that, that that game doesn't get labeled as, as open world, because it really is. But that appealed to me as well, you know? It's like, it felt to me like a, a new approach to Zelda. And that's what I needed after finally not having played one in all of this game's franchise, right? So, I was very excited about it. Um, finally played it, and here are my thoughts so far. Preliminary again. I, I feel like it's Zelda's answer to Skyrim. I really do, because it, it has this slick UI, you know, Skyrim, because um, like when you go back just to Elder Scrolls, uh, sorry, not uh, Oblivion, the one before Skyrim, the Elder Scrolls before Skyrim, the UI is very elaborate and ornate, right? It, it's um, it's like a lot of details put into it, right? And then they when they went to Skyrim, it was more like, ah, eh, white texts and black backgrounds and just fade it out, like I have a gradient or whatever, you know, it's simpler. And it kind of did it for me, you know? I agree, yeah.
0: I really enjoy those, like, minimalistic user interfaces.
1: Yeah, like, I like looking at the um, Oblivion UI. It's very attractive, but I really just get out of the way, you know? Put the game first, right? And uh, um, Breath of the Wild is doing that, so I like that a lot. Um, It's got this kind of cell-shaded look, which I think is really attractive. Um, One of my complaints there is I noticed, like... um, Wii U is really good at making things like water or very metallic objects. Uh, I forget what you call that, like specular highlights. I think where uh, the, the brights are, are uh, like the whites are very bright. You know, like you know when light hits metal, it's almost like a mirror in certain points.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so a lot of those areas look very realistic, right? And I was wandering around this one area, and there's like this really detailed rocky ground with metal stuff, and like it looked photorealistic certain parts of it that combined with here's this Link who's in every single shot of the game you play uh, looking super cel-shaded looks bad because the photorealistic stuff looks great and Link cel-shaded Link looks great together they look kind of bad hmm. right? Yeah. And, and that's that's true for almost any art style. We've talked about this in the podcast before. Your art style can be kind of garbage as long as it's <laughs> consistently garbage right? It's- and if your art style is fantastic it's only fantastic as long as it's consistently fantastic and even not even fantastic but just like consistent you know if you're going to use cell shading do that don't have these photorealistic rocks around i found that um and this is me nitpicking i i get that right but at the same time it killed the immersion for me you know i found it distracting it took me out i'm wandering around i'm like oh man what's this and i had to take take a minute to walk around and look at that and be like ah this is bad taste in my mouth you know um, I'm interested
0: to hear what you think about, I know you haven't played a lot of Final Fantasy Tactics, but I'm sure you're familiar with what it looks like. So, you're talking about the 3D with the billboards, right? It's like 3D terrain, yeah. right? And then you've got the, the like, very Final Fantasy-esque billboard sprites. Right.
1: Yeah. In general, I don't love that, but the thing is, is I, I grew up with it, you know, like Doom, Duke Nukem, uh, what was the one, not that like a lot of um, I play a ton of dungeon crawlers when I was growing up, you know, and, and not all of them use ray casting engines. Sometimes it was, you know, they would actually draw out the individual walls and tiles and stuff. And billboards were inevitable. And I think that it's almost like I'm used to it, but I think that if I had a fresh eye, you know, like I think that someone looking at it without that nostalgia might be like, Ugh, what's with these two distinct art styles that kind of clash, you know, right? Uh, I'm reminded of um, DuckTales Remastered, which, ah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like the the sprites yeah. look so good by themselves, but you mix it with the background and you're just kind of scratching your head. Like who was the art director on this and why did they decide this? Because they, they clash. They and clash
0: in like in the way that kind of makes you feel like they cheaped out, right? Like you look right. at the backgrounds in that game and like maybe this isn't the case. And I don't want to like, I'm going to try to throw shade at any background animators or whatever. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sure they you know, worked hard or whatever, but it it kind of feels like it was, you know, let's just make simple 3D visuals for the background, which is probably a good budget choice. But it does kind of like take away from these really detailed pixel art sprites, I think.
1: Yeah, maybe like, you know, they chopped... um, Yeah, they were digital paintings. They they looked a lot like the cartoon, which I think was the goal. But I think a big part of that was um, maybe they were like, okay, let's put all of our attention into the art and animation of the sprites and the characters, right? right. And then the backgrounds, you know, less budget, less money, maybe. Which like I, could, really, I could see that.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty reasonable choice. And as we know, think so. game dev is full of hard choices, right? So Exactly. You know, yeah. here we are, like, talking crap, but <laughs> it could have been, you know, we could have been in the same spot and been like, you know what? We can do the art this way or that way, and we're going to go with
1: way B because reasons blah 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 right like it could have been the only way that they could have afforded to make such excellent looking animated sprites right is is to cheap out in the background a little bit or maybe they didn't feel that way at all you know maybe at the time you know the forest for the trees kind of thing they were like no we thought it looked great until we put it out into the world and we heard the feedback or something i don't know anyways ducktales remastered podcast right here (laughs) um so yeah the uh the contrasting art styles was was kind of weird um so overall, the game is is open-ended. Uh, it's kind of like a sandbox. You can run around. Um, I, I got to give it praise for the fact that you can climb on anything, which is great. Because if, if it is Nintendo's answer to Skyrim, Skyrim and pretty much any Bethesda game has this problem of, here's a cliff. You can't go up it. And sometimes it's this. It's, you know, here's a wall. It's five feet tall. You can't get over it. Right. You're unable (laughs) to. We hate our users, (laughs) you know? Uh, At least they never do this where, you know, I think it was Fallout New Vegas was the one uh, Bethesda game I saw where it was just like, no, here's an invisible wall. We hate you. Shut up. (laughs) Everywhere else, it's like, you know, at least there is a cliff and you can walk anywhere. It's just that, you know, you can't climb things because climbing is hard to develop,
0: right? Climbing is hard to develop. And, you know, I think everyone sort of understands that, at least with our current crop of technology it's very very difficult to do anything approaching infinite you know right maybe that was one of the issues with no man's sky right but oh yeah um yeah i think most people understand that borders have to be there they just need to be messaged in a way that is reasonable you know like when you exactly, see yeah. you know if it's a sheer cliff you're like yeah i you know it, you know maybe the best climber in the world couldn't climb such a sheer icy cliff without you know yeah without the proper gear
1: And to be fair, I would take that, you know, anytime over here's an invisible wall or, you know, a hard limit of like, there's just spikes or lava, you know, you know, like, well, actually that's fine too. But you know what I mean? is just rather than cheaping it. Oh, you just can't go that way because, you know, shut up. That's, that doesn't work for me. If you give it, it's so much easier just to like, here's a cliff and you don't have climbing gear. Like that's, that's a much better
0: barrier. Something that uh, we'll touch on in a minute maybe, but uh, Oceanhorn did, it's like a collection of (laughs) islands. And so, you know, there's really not that expectation that, you know, there's anything
1: past the water in certain places, right? Yeah. They kind of remove that from you, right? There's not just like, oh, a path and and you can't cross it because, um, you know, games, right? It's like, no, it's water and you get it. You know, you can't, like, I'm not going to swim across the Pacific, right? I will die. <laughs> like, it's it's that, you know, people know that. Like, doing things in your game that humans get just inherently by being a human and living in the world those, those things work for me yeah. instead of just you know arbitrary game rules no nope, can't do it because whatever um, so the climbing I think is really well done um, my only complaint there really is like <clears throat> which is kind of an overarching complaint of, about the mechanics is there is a fatigue bar or a fatigue circle I should say uh, fun, fun tangent here when I was uh, growing up I played this game called The Immortal Man, oh, this this uh, these show notes are gonna be great because they're gonna be like all games. Nice. So the Immortal was a game I played for um, Nintendo and also Sega Genesis. And are you familiar with that one at all? Uh, no. And so it it was this you would you'd probably like it. It's way too hard and it probably doesn't age very well. But like it had all these really gorgeous um, sprites drawn by hand. It was isometric. You played it was like slow fantasy. You played mm. a wizard. Yes. Yeah, it was like the <laughs> gothic. Yeah, I knew you'd like this the gothic medieval fantasy where like your creatures are all you know horrible and and they're going to kill you and they're like ghosts and skeletons and goblins and like everywhere is just death and you are a wizard and um so you run around like an isometric puzzle kind of kind of like a labyrinth and then whenever you bump into like a a monster you enter this battle mode where picture the place like (laughs) a preschool version of street fighter (laughs) is probably okay. fair but there was this uh you basically had two bars you had to worry about is your health which obviously ends the game when it depletes and then there is what i used to call the fatigu because i didn't fatigu you, you don't know oh, i mean fatigue. when you yes. fatigue i know the word now but i always be like i'd be like you're fatigu
0: awesome
1: <laughs> anyway that's my little the immortal tangent i my, love that my fatigu bar is empty. my fatigu <laughs> Uh, to To Breath of the Wild's credits, the fatigue circle only appears when it's relevant, and if it's you know 100, it goes away. But when you start to climb, it appears, and it slowly like goes down, right? And then if it, if it runs out, you fall, mm. usually to your death, which maybe not, but yeah, you're probably gonna die. Right. <laughs> uh, you can also do things like jump. You can leap, which takes a huge uh, portion of your of your fatigu,e and removes that from you, so you have to use it sparingly. Um, My overall complaint with fatigue in general is just that it's not, it's a limiting mechanic. It's meant to just make things that they're not infinite, right? Like you can't just, you know, spam run all the time and you can't just, you know, jump and do the biggest attack and you can't just spin attack and you can't just climb forever and blah, blah, blah. But what it boils down to is my, my main problem with it is the mechanic is really waiting which is the least interesting thing you can do in a game unless you're really into, you know, cookie clickers clickers or idle games or something, right? Right. Certainly in an action and or adventure game, waiting is not the mechanic that I was asking for, right? I'll never be like, (laughs) man, I really wish you could wait here for a while and watch a bar fill up. That would make me happy, you know? Nine out of ten stars needs more waiting.
0: (laughs) Needs more waiting.
1: (laughs) Where's the waiting, you guys? This is way too fun. I need, I need, a, I need a break from the action. Um,
0: Oceanhorn <laughs> also has a Fatigu bar. Fatigu. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Does it?
0: I will talk about it as well because I also didn't like it very much.
1: Okay. Well, there's some parallels here. It's kind of interesting. I mean, I guess it was inspired by Zelda, right? Right. But probably not Breath of the Wild. Probably the original, the most, the most influential game of all time. Trademark. <laughs> I, I've, I have dubbed of it. All dubbed it so, of all time. Of all time. Okay, so so running is. Um, I was reminded of Link to the Past, which um, you know, you couldn't run in the original Legend of Zelda, and it didn't really feel that bad because the game was screen by screen, you know, and just walking across the screen, you know, you're fine. Like if you can and handle
0: that, have you just play. played that recently? Does it? That, Does it bother you? No, but the... Well, what bothers me is the screen scrolling is so slow. Mm. Like, I go back and I play that, and it's just... It feels like it takes eons for those screens to <laughs> scroll. Like, the movement speed feels fine. Yeah. But maybe it only feels fine in contrast to the fact that it's, like, just this slideshow. Slideshow. slideshow one <laughs>
1: screen to the next. So, it's like the original uh, Wizard's Lizard, then. Where it's, it's like, oh, it's would you like to... that, m- I think. <sighs> moving there there you go you can Maybe not. play I the game know. again yeah probably probably comparable but yeah i get you it's not it's not the most fun thing to wait for i wouldn't be surprised if that was a uh like a hardware limitation you know because i remember the um original castlevania kind of had the same thing going when you walk up to certain doors the door would open and then the screen would scroll eh, kind of slow over to the next room and Oh, pretty much always when Simon was walking over the door, there'd be some flickering, mm. you know? And there's just like a reminder that
0: like, oh God, this hardware can barely do any of this. <laughs> Help us. <laughs> Limitations.
1: Yes. that's. So that's I, I was reminded of the original Link to the Past though, because the game really elegantly handled the larger map, right? Like pretty early on in the game, you get the Pegasus boots. And then from there, you just hold down the Pegasus boots, You go which is so satisfying. You can just like tap the button, right? Right and you get the little the dust kicking up from your boots and then you go and you hold it down and link takes off and he just runs in a straight line you have no control but you breeze through you got your sword out so you'll you know smack a, a moblin along the way and you go to the next screen it's glorious and there's no limit and there's no waiting unless you count the to begin with which what a great way to hide the waiting like we've talked before about ways to hide the waiting right? right like um in one i don't know this is probably like 10 episodes ago but like the the double shotgun in doom boom like all the stuff going on you're okay with it because it looks cool and it sounds cool and you get it you're a human being you know what a shotgun is you know that you have to reload it and all that jazz right it's not just like boom waiting watch this bar fill up you know, right. like that makes a difference when you're talking about something, especially something you're doing a lot. And Breath of the Wild is a very large game. I heard the map was like three times Skyrim size. Whoa. So you're going to be running a lot. And to be fair, again, okay, Tiger Hat is at least partially on. I haven't played the game uh, like 30 hours or whatever. So I'm sure that you probably get some fatigu improvements. At least I hope. Like, you know, better boots or... you eat some food or whatever and it makes you stronger or whatnot. Yeah.
0: Maybe this whole critique session of yours is going to be like, you know, for in the example of Link to the Past, before you got the Pegasus
1: boots. Before, yeah. And life was <laughs> terrible. <and laughs> had to walk. Hey, that's fair. Yeah. Somebody could be like, oh, Matt, this hasn't got those Pegasus boots yet. Matt, play the game more before you go and talk about it right. on your podcast for half an hour. Uh, that half toy, hour you yeah, spent the- complaining, you could have gotten the Pegasus <laughs> boots right now. <laughs> if you would shut up long enough to play more that could that could totally be a thing yeah um so the combat itself uh feels pretty good um it's got the problem again that was introduced in um which one was the ocarina of time so any zelda 64 zelda. which if if okay if you're listening to this and you have not watched the sequelitis so i gotta put a link in the show notes now the sequelitis about all about um zelda yeah, It it explicitly explains like why it's garbage to have movement <laughs> mechanics separate from your combat mechanics. These things matter, and it looks like Breath of the Wild made those the this same mistake, where you've got targeting, and you hold down the left freaking trigger, and then you zoom in on whatever, and it changes the controls. We, okay, so like, normally you hit left, and you start running to the left. You hold down the trigger, and you go into that different mode. You hit left, and then you, you do like the hop. Like, you're strafing kind of, you know, that is a different mode. Which leads me to another complaint about the game is all these freaking modes. You have a lot of complaints, man. I do. And I'm probably mostly going to have complaints. I will say at the end, before we talk about Oceanhorn, I will say some things I admire about it. Or I'll make a compliment sandwich. That's good. Here's here's the biggest compliment these days is I'm freaking playing it. Right. I, have, I bought it. I put hard-earned money down on it. I am playing it. <clears throat> You'll probably I'm talking about to it, it on the show. Like uh, these are lots of positive signals because most games I don't buy, I don't play, I don't talk about. Right? So already it's it's ahead of the game. That's you know something that we sort of um, thought about
0: with our games too, right? Is that a lot of times when people complain about your game, um, it hurts to an extent, but you should realize that a lot of times it comes from a place of you know overall interest in the game.
1: Yes. Yeah. Related, I saw a tweet today from another um, indie who was re- replying, because Apple just launched this. You can now reply to reviews on the Apple um, iOS store, right? And somebody wrote a review that was like, this game's stupid and some complaint or whatever, one star, right? And, the you know, in the box, you know, especially our audience who has launched games, like, you you know the pain, right? Someone's like, your game sucks and I hate you and you wasted your life working on it and it, it stinks, Right? these things ting. but the the indie was smart enough, and he was like, "Ah, well, you know, thanks for playing," and like made some kind of fun, innocent, playful joke about whatever the person was saying. Um, and I respect that kind of thing. You know, like that's the way to do it, right? Like that's the way that you want to um, answer that kind of <laughs> that kind of negativity. You know, you got to bounce back from it, because that's the thing. Like the person took the time to probably buy it definitely spent their their time on it which is the most valuable resource any of us have right and then took the time to write a review which you know even though it was hateful and one star still says like dude you spent more of your more of your life on this game than you needed to and that's nice right i appreciate that that's right yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> where's i going what, w- which part of breath of the wild was i complaining about <laughs> <laughs>
0: Let's see, you had just gotten done complaining about the combat and movement mechanics.
1: Okay, so the sequel is related because uh, the way that you explore the world, when the way you explore the world is the same way that you combat the inhabitants of that world, the more marriage there are between your mechanics, I firmly believe this, the better your game is. And I'll, I'll go one further. The fewer modes your game has, the better your whole game is. I'm serious about this. You, you don't always have to have these different modes. Here, Okay, here's the next thing I want to complain about. <laughs> the It's got the typical Zelda scenario with uh, shrines, and you go in the shrine, and you complete some puzzles, and then uh, you get an item, which lets you finish bada the bing, shrine. Bada bing, bada boom, Triforce. Bada bing, bada boom, yes. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, so the very first shrine I went to... Usually in Zelda games, the item you get's like the boomerang. It's pretty simple. You hit the same button you were hitting, only this time it shoots a projectile. And yeah, you shot a projectile with your sword, but this time it comes back. It's easy. It's like it's cool. Or bombs. You just do the same thing. hit the A button. You place a bomb. You don't attack right away. You wait two seconds, and then you attack. It's great. The bomb. It's using the same mechanics as the rest of the game, but it's just a little tweak. It's a little tweak, right? Yes. No, 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 no. The first item you get, you know what it does, Jeff? I, don't, I have no idea. It grabs... <clears throat> okay, first of all, it changes the mode. Link freezes and like, stops where he's at, and the whole screen turns like red, weird-looking, like, woo, everything's all shadered. There's a shader going on. and it's all red looking <laughs> and some items are some objects in the world are solid red and those items you can now hit a different button in this different mode that you have to f- learn, right? It shoots a projectile. And if you hit that item with a projectile, then all of a sudden you can control it and move it around. And oh, this menu pops up. You can hit you can now use the D-pad to push the object forward or to pull it back closer to you. You can still move Link around and walk around and then the right analog stick you can move the object around in space oh they're the opposite of simple the opposite of what i would want to see out of the first item in a game like this where Mm. i'm already kind of overwhelmed by all of these buttons four face buttons four shoulder buttons two analogs (laughs) and a d-pad and select and start every button is used and here's an item one item that gives you a brand new mode you have to learn right so my brain is like
0: God. I can just do you a know, picture of you your couch. You can learn Spanish at this point. Steam coming out of your ears.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't... This is... I've complained about this on the podcast before. This is one of the reasons I don't play that many new games is because they're like, oh, you want to play a game? Sure. No problem. Just sit down. Grab a controller. No problem. Let's do this. So, have you, have you learned about the aiming mode? What about targeting? Do you know how to jump? Oh, don't forget <laughs> strafing. And I'm like, wait, whoa, whoa. Can, can I play... You know, you have to read a freaking book before you can play the damn game. There's certainly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of okay. I have to say, I'm kind of like I'm leaning into it this time. I, I, I think normally, yeah, I'm I'm kind of having fun with it, and I'm I'm bitching more than I probably would normally. But oh, I'm uh, it's I'm just embracing it. As hell. <laughs> oh, good. That's good to hear. That's what I'm going for. I, I, I okay. Yes, that's um, where I'm coming
0: from. <laughs> that's fantastic. I agree with you, though. I mean, you know. There's whole, you know, departments of people whose job it is to figure out how to make this stuff not suck, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The usability stuff matters. Like that's what my li- my wife does for a living. Is she just tries to make games more usable and easier to learn. And, and a big part of that is accessibility. When you throw every button and and ten different modes at people, like you're gonna lose some people. Right. Yeah. So there were puzzles around that, and I got to say they were kind of cool. Like here's one: is um, you you cross this bridge, and then you get to an area where you need another bridge. And you you know it was water or lava or whatever, and you can't get over. And you're like, well, what do I do? And you turn around, and you're like, oh, I just got this item. And then you pick the bridge up, and you move the bridge in front of you, and you cross. And you're like, oh, I'm so smart. Spoiler alert, Matt. Spoiler alert. yeah. There's gonna well, because I'm, <clears throat> I'm only three hours in or what, like three <laughs> five max or something. Like there's no- <laughs> and then I, I, I defeated Calamity Ganon. Next man, boy, did I speed run that game fast. Um, calamity Ganon, by the way, did you know that's the name? What of Ganon? What is it? Calamity Ganon. Calamity Ganon. Yeah, like ye old. Feel like I need to go back to San Francisco and go gold digging. I was gonna say it sounds more like a Metal Gear Solid <laughs> boss. <laughs> it does. Like revolver ocelot. <laughs> it does. Calamity Ganon. Solid Snake. <laughs> calamity Ganon. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know enough about it yet to comment on that. I just thought that was like cal- wait, calamity. Is that bird supposed to be there? <laughs> calamity. <laughs> um so the second item you get i was looking forward to the second item you're like it can't be worse than the first right surely (laughs) yeah right no it's like the same as the first it's it gives you another mode and this time oh there's shaders going and everything looks different again but this time it's yellow and some items turn solid yellow and those items you can freeze time on them you can stop time i see yeah and there, and when you get to this like there was this really obtuse puzzle the first one you see with that item and it was like here's a bridge but it's freaking rotating can you picture that like a like a seesaw that goes 360 um, and so if you were to step on the bridge it would just drop immediately and then oh, the whole I thing see. would rotate uh, oh, I don't oh, know so if you I can. freeze
0: it in time and then you can walk across it but you have to freeze it, it at the correct point in the rotation or whatever
1: right like if it's yeah. too steep you can't cross or whatever and you're like gee you know great I froze time there <laughs> And that was, that was fine. And then there's the boulder uh, falling down a ramp. And, you know, it's going to kill you until you, you know, freeze it. And then you can run up the ramp without the boulder killing you. And that's fine. Um, <laughs> it's fine. But the, my complaint about this item. And, you know, the items so far, they're like, they're fine. They're about what I would expect out of just a random standard AAA game. Not a Zelda game. You know, like, from my experience, the Zelda game items are more pure. Right? They're simpler. A boomerang. A hook shot. Uh, a bomb, you know, a bow and arrow, like they're all, the core mechanics just kind of remixed, like twisted a little bit, you know, not like, well let's talk about modes, what are we going to do with this (laughs) mode, and how many items are we going to make that do nothing but just interact with this item like, there's way more organic harmony and overlap with a game like Link to the Past, where like, oh you have a you have a puzzle there, well you can use the bomb or the hookshot or the boomerang, depending, Or or the arrow, just shoot it, you know, multiple ways to solve it, but when you have a puzzle like yeah, this boulder is just blocking your path. You can't run by unless you freeze time. Okay, well, there's your one way of solving it. Good job. Here's your one tool for that one job. Like, you know, maybe the game later on makes better use of this stuff, but, you know, the, the first puzzles are very, you know, heavy-handed, right? Right. Um, the, go ahead. I want to say, yeah, you know, I tend to agree with you
0: on all this stuff. Like, I'm not a big fan of let's have all the different modes in the world. Right. Um, and I think that the Harmony thing is a really good... A really good point you know one thing i was thinking when you first started talking about it was you know maybe this first thing that they introduced to you was like the new core mechanic or like you know one of the the new innovative features of the game right and right f- for example like soul thief right like one of the first things we want to do is introduce you to like hey there's this weird new thing where like you're dead and you can swap bodies and it feels <laughs> nothing like you know <laughs> i mean we we tried to make it very integrated right but it is the kind of feature where, you know, you have to kind of hit people over the head with it right away cuz you're like, "Hey, this is important."
1: Yes. <laughs> do yeah, the, like right right out of the gate. You do need to know this about first. this. Yeah. <laughs> do this first. I like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we will lament our uh, our decisions there again at some point. <laughs> I'm sure. Um so so the item that freezes time, right? Yeah. I, I might have been like, okay, fine, this, it's kind of neat. Um, I'd like to see how they use that later in the game. But it has dual purpose, which uh, is good. You know, we like harmony and stuff, but it's another like item-specific thing. So you come across this bridge, which is very narrow, and there's a boulder in your way. And you freeze time on it for some reason, even though it's, it's not moving. It has no kinetic energy, right? But when the item is frozen in time, you can hit it, and if you do, then like an arrow appears on it, which is another like you know specific case interface, right? Right. And then the arrow tells you like what its trajectory will be when the timer runs out on this rune thing you used that freezes time. This I is see. this all sounds clunky. It felt that way in the game, right? Right. So I walk up to the boulder and at first I first didn't know what to do with it, and then I froze time on it, and I just was like smacking it. <clears throat> and this arrow appears, and I'm like. What the hell is that arrow doing there and then the, the clock ran out I had to wait like five seconds or whatever The t- time runs out and then the the boulder like moved in the like trajectory the arrow suggested and i'm like oh it did it <laughs> you know so so weird if, dual purpose if you were to just walk about a boulder
0: outside of the time stop interface and hit it would it move no i didn't do anything i see so you can only See, like that seems kind of weird to me, right? That the boulder only yeah. responds to the physics of your sword when it's time stopped. Yes. Or, you know, it kind of cues it up if it's time stopped. Correct. And then when the time stop releases, you know, <laughs> the you know inertia kicks back in. But like, I think that would yeah. make a lot more sense if you could just go up to a rock regularly, hit it, and it would move. Yes. Because then you might make that connection, or at least I might. See,
1: and like right after right before that rock you get a hammer and i'm like oh i'll just smack it with my hammer It'll probably the hammer will probably break nope. up the rock <laughs> no no i didn't do that and i'm like okay well if it's not the hammer i mean it's got to be the other thing so i'm i'm stopping time on it and i'm like stopping time on a like a non-moving object seems fruitless right <laughs> so then you combine the two items and i'm like okay i don't know yeah interesting yeah um so The overall, though, the shrines themselves are are pretty nice because they're nice and bite-sized and they're pretty much like, okay, here's a quick thing to solve, here's the item, and here's, like, two more things to solve, and then, bam, you're done. You talk to this dude and he's like, hey, good job, um... You now have like a spirit orb or whatever. So, you know, or whatever the, the, this game's version of a Triforce piece yeah. or like a, pe- a pendant from here's that the past. thing you came here for. <laughs> yes. Here's, here's a plus one on things to collect. Good right. job. So I like that so far because um, there's like three to five shrines ish in the, the opening area and, you know, breezing through those, finding them is kind of fun, getting to them, going in, getting the item, learning about it, uh, defeating it, and then coming back out. All very satisfying, all very nice. This is a weird part about Breath of the Wild. I'm surprised that I didn't start with this, actually. What do you think of when you think of Legend of Zelda? What genre of game? What uh, what skin? What theme? Medieval fantasy? Medieval fantasy, right? Like is, is there dragons, anything else in there?
0: Dinosaurs?
1: There, are, Yeah, there's some dinosaurs. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, you know the names better than I do. Who's the triceratops that eats bombs? Uh, Dodongo. Dodongo. Yeah, you must have spent more time reading the instruction manual as a kid than I did.
0: Well, I had... Uh, i know you didn't have that many games either but i think i had relatively fewer games than you did as well
1: kids these days they got thousands of games in (laughs) their steam library
0: like i read i remember reading the legend of zelda booklet the shining force booklet like just cover to cover oh yeah and like i would Mm. read it at night after i was not allowed to play video games anymore
1: oh yeah that was (laughs) a thing
0: i would would read the instruction booklet in you know in my room or in bed
1: or whatever yeah okay um, tv off yeah, I don't want you melting your eyes. I got to be a decent parent. Yeah, turn right. the t- turn the TV after like okay, I'll just do the same thing, but I'll stare at paper. <laughs> right, I'll just be playing in my head. You can't take that away from me. Related, I opened <laughs> up the uh, the non gold case to Breath of the Wild, and in there is just like a Nintendo, like a single piece of paper, where it, like. Where, where the, the corpse of the, instruction, of the instruction booklet, right? Like, the, where the ghost of the instruction booklet would be is just a single <laughs> right. piece of paper, which is, like, Nintendo's typical, like, oh, epilepsy warning and health. Like, don't play all day. That. I'm like, where's the instruction booklet? They got See, nothing
0: for me. And then you have, like, Binding of Isaac, Afterbirth, plus, plus, whatever. <laughs> like, you know, it's releasing, like, this really fantastic, uh, apparently... Instruction booklet and very nostalgic and blah blah blah.
1: Hmm. I mean, to be fair, on another podcast, I might be complaining about, oh, this instruction booklet. I have to keep this now. I just want <laughs> games to be digital. I don't want discs. I don't want cases. That I want. You know, as, I don't know. Whatever. Basically, you're going to right?
0: complain on the podcast, and what you're complaining about <laughs> on any given day is going to be, you know.
1: <laughs> next, yeah, next episode, I'll be like, man, let me tell you how great Breath of the Wild is. <laughs> now that I've played 20 hours or whatever, like, right. oh man you was like <laughs> fanboying, foaming at the mouth. Boy, boy was I wrong last week. Uh, so, man, we're already like 45 minutes in. We've only talked about my game. So, um, this is the, okay, the first item you get in Breath of the Wild. Do you want to know what it is? The very first item? The very first item. I mean, like sword style, right? Like the very first thing. You get nothing else before. Like, before you get clothing, you get this item. You ready for it? Uh, I think so. Tablet tablet like
0: think ipad oh i was thinking like rune tablet of spells or something
1: you wish (laughs) think 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 android samsung (laughs) tablet think like pit boy pit boy yeah they don't wear it on your arm but you hang it on your on your side but it is like an electronic device oh no yeah
0: matt why
1: yeah that's the yeah yeah my my thoughts exactly i'm like this is not what i asked for (laughs) (laughs) i've never wanted more sci-fi in my zelda games and you know to be fair there's stuff like uh, boats are are still pretty medieval fantasy but like trains starts to border on like okay there's technology there's there's at least steam yeah right like there's some tech like and i didn't bat an eye at that really like um was it spirit tracks i I like those games the the ds games i think they're really good and i didn't complain about the trains you know but i think when you motorized castle that can burrow into the desert Like um, that's actually the first thing Andrea brought up when I was complaining about the sci-fi elements. She was like, "Final Fantasies are like those, which which is true. Like, but that's been true. That's the thing, though. It's consistent because in Final Fantasy One, which I know a lot about, I've played that game. I've played through it maybe ten times. um, In the beginning, it is very medieval fantasy and low fantasy. Like you don't have a lot of magic, and you really only see for for most of the game, you know, monsters and goblins and trolls and and typical um, medieval fantasy." Uh, fair right and then later on you see this trickle of like oh here's a mech and then like there might be a boss that's like a war machine and and you know and then later final fantasy games like you were saying like figaro castle you know burrows underground and it's very electronic and stuff right i mean i was you know trying to be funny but i definitely think that those
0: are two completely different cases right like yeah in final fantasy the sci-fi is weaved into the lore and the storyline like right and it works like they do it in a way where you're like oh the war of the magi yeah i get it like you know like this is cool like people are rebuilding with steam and excuse me right so on and so forth right i mean i don't again i haven't played breath of the wild but i will be very disappointed if it's just like one of these things where it's like you have a tablet because quirkiness i think
1: it's you have a tablet because it's far future oh is where they're going with it i think that like there is an ancient civilization which for all we know you know we had a game idea like this early on uh, when we first started making games it was um autumn was the name of the of the project remember it's that it's basically planet of the apes <laughs> <laughs> like that, that, that's the storyline planet of the dragons or planet of the goblins that was kind of our but it was like yeah, yeah. you know there was a technolo- there's a, there a civilization a lot like you know humanity and they blew themselves up because that's you know, with large hadron colliders, that's actually something we could do—an accident—and we we kill ourselves, and then there would be all these, you know, remains of, of us, our civilization, you know, thousands, you know, millennia later, right? Right. Uh, where you see these traces, and you're like, wow, look at these electronic devices, and like some of our gear is pretty amazing—atomic bombs and iPads and all that, right? But I think that's where they're going with it, um, and like. There's fast travel, like you would expect with a game like Skyrim, because it really needs to be, to be honest. Like no one's gonna walk across this whole damn country. Yeah. Uh, and the way the fast travel looks is it it almost like it's very sci-fi. You know, it's less. It looks less magical the way it's polished and looks more um, sci-fi. Yeah, I don't know. It depends. You know, maybe they have a really good reveal with it, but
0: I feel like there are games where they do it badly, and I, and I really think it detracts. And I think one of those games for me was Assassin's Creed. Mm, where it was like you're like i don't know it felt like it killed the immersion for me every time i popped out of you know yeah the old timiness into the digital age or whatever yeah i felt the same way i think the thing that i liked about um final fantasy was that you know it was
1: very well integrated right yeah and they don't like you know right from the very beginning um in like final fantasy 6 for example right like the the way the, the credits the opening credits roll and, and you are in these uh, mechs and you're walking across the you know the snowy plains right right so they, they lead with it you know and the final fantasy games i mentioned like the, since the very first one there's always been a lot of technology in there like this this merge between sci-fi and medieval fantasy which if that's what you know what you're getting into from the beginning um great here's a, here's a thought actually when you think of shunning force what, what, what theme do you think of for that
0: um, I would say it's sort of a lot like Final Fantasy, yeah, um, like you have like this ancient race with better technology that's sort of um not completely gone, but remnants of remnants, yeah like, I can' forget the exact storyline as it as it goes, you know, but there are like there are robotic type things, and there are like steampunky type things, you know, yeah. there's like uh, a steam tank
1: rhinoceros <laughs> <laughs> see that's that's awesome that's really awesome uh, yes. in my mind which you know i recognize i'm being inconsistent here but what i liked about how the original final fantasy and how shining force did it was it starts off low fantasy and it's medieval fantasy and then the more you play there's this nice gradient right where it's like oh your first experience with uh, kokichi and he's got like these mechanical wings and steam right and then you meet um oh who's the who was the robot rhino (laughs) was Uh, his name
0: guns i think
1: guns yeah it was guns and he's like and he's kind of crappy like he his suit breaks down because the technology is bad you know yeah and then in the final chapters you're fighting straight up like here's a mechanical laser eye robot right but it's like but
0: this is this ancient weapon that we dug up from you know the depths of some dungeon right that's powered by ancient magic or whatever
1: yeah and, you know, the Zelda games, like, there is a, a, a canon and there's a there's a story, but from my understanding, there's, like, multiple universes and, and crap, and I really, never, I've never been a fan of, I, I, I don't like time travel. <laughs> That's one of my things. I don't like it. And, and it doesn't, like, remember, Um, I never understood this in Ocarina of Time. Why do you get frozen in time for seven years? You just, you get frozen in time so that you can grow up? You just let Ganon screw the world over and then, oh, I'm, you know, older now, so I'm stronger and I can, what? And I, I, I never i barely remember ocarina of time yeah that's the thing i don't know um and it's weird with with breath of the wild because again i don't know how far deep the sci-fi goes but um like when you look around the horizon it looks like there's a spaceship floating in the distance and i see it and i'm like (laughs) (laughs) and the thing is if it was an airship if it was something more uh, embedded in medieval fantasy i'd be like ooh. well here's the
0: thing right it's all about expectations right like yeah You probably played Final Fantasy 1 with no expectations, and they said it appropriately. They were like, hey, Matt, here's this cool world where sci-fi and magic sort of coexist. Hey, Matt. (laughs) Hey, Matt. Just for you. (laughs) Right. And then, you know, for 25 years, Zelda has been telling you, like, hey, Matt, it's a medieval (laughs) fantasy with, like, fairies and, you know, (laughs) dragon-type things, and, you know, maybe you've got bombs, but that's about the most sci-fi we're gonna put on your plate yeah and then you you play this one and you're like what the hell well yeah
1: i it's like it's i mean i recognize that i i didn't the last couple Zelda games didn't do it for me last few last several i guess but this feels like a departure and not not in the way i was hoping you know yeah well i was kind of hoping that it was going to be sort of
0: a uh what was the wall walking one the The Zelda game
1: yeah wall walking
0: paste onto the walls
1: oh a link between worlds what a good game (laughs) what a good game oh man so good i i have zero complaints about that game yes are you sure (laughs) that doesn't Uh, sound like you well it's a little short (laughs) but i no, it's it's perfect
0: i sort of felt like at least the signals I was getting from the Twitterverse and et cetera, right. For breath of the wild made me sort of think that it was going to be like that kind of a thing. Like, Hey, you know, for big fans of Zelda nostalgia, here you go. Mm -hmm. Right. Like this is for you. Like, did you hate skyward sword or whatever? (laughs) Then
1: have we got a product for you? Exactly. Yeah. That's what it was speaking. That's what the marketing was speaking to me as, and and this is the other thing too. Like, you know, I'm, I'm late enough to the game uh, of breath of the wild that I've, thought for sure if there was some giant uh head scratching decision they made in the game i would have heard about it by now no one else that i've seen has has been like hey what's with the sci-fi maybe it's just you maybe it's just me uh you know um friend of mine eddie on on twitter he was like did you know that that's been in the zelda games since the beginning i'm like what "What are you talking about technology yeah well so apparently an original version of zelda the triforce pieces were supposed to be like fragments of a spaceship a la I mean, this came later, but Toe Jam & Earl or something, huh. where they're like, you know, battery powers or maybe the spaceship itself or something, but like that got cut during development at some point, which, you know, it being not part of the game, not even in the instruction booklet, like I had to go Google that and be like, oh, yeah, did you know that, you know, behind the scenes or whatever? Like, that's an important part, not canon, right? Not in the game. And also, not as you, uh, you were mentioning earlier, like 25 years of games, not ever was that in there. You know, it was like, yeah, technology, like once in a while, like here's a here's a train or here's, here's a bombs or boats or whatever, right? But it was never like, oh yeah, this is far future. Like there's spaceships and, and stuff, right? <laughs> and <laughs> digital tablets. Like digital
0: tablets are a super, you know, at least on the medieval fantasy timescale, right? Are like that's well past steampunk, <laughs>
1: right? Yes, it is, yeah. Yeah, like that's more like um, you know, you take something from modern modern world, like a like a laptop, and you steampunkify it, right? But at that point, it's like it's not really because steampunk is supposed to be kind of low fantasy. You know, it's supposed to be like this stuff barely works. <laughs> right. That's the way. That's the way I like to see steampunk. You know, I don't like it to be like, oh, here's this flawless machine. Like here here is a steampunk tablet. I don't really like seeing that. I like I like the lower fantasy stuff. That's just me, though. You know, yeah. this is all this is all very subjective, of course. It's all it's all Matt's opinion. Is all matt's yeah take us a grain of salt the game's probably (laughs) fantastic and um, it it plays really well i really like the combat um there's there's crafting systems maybe you're just bad at enjoying video games (laughs) i think i am these days i don't okay i don't have a lot of patience i don't have a lot of time i don't want to learn a lot i want to just get into the fun of it you know I don't want to memorize, like, I don't want to wait for the muscle memory to sneak in. And this happens, like, I've died in combat just from being like, which button is it? You know? Yeah. Um, and, like, anything that you want to do, um, let's say you want to switch your weapon or your your bow and arrow type, of which there are multiples, and, like, the runes, the items I was complaining about earlier. Um, for any of those, you go into a mode to switch between them. You hold down the D-pad up. And then it's like your right analog stick no longer moves the camera. It now moves this, you know, cursor between the items that you have, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's just a lot to take in a lot to think about. Yes. Well, (laughs) and like an earlier me would have been like, I have no problem tackling all these challenges. No problem game. I'll memorize 30,000 different modes (laughs) and every single button on the Wii U Wii U mode, which has like 30,000 buttons. No, these days I'm not there anymore. You know, I'm like, we're more like, okay, I got three hours tonight. That's it. And that's, i do yeah, not wanna get wasted to... <laughs> on this stupid input mode <laughs> uh, yeah i don't want to learn your crap i want to have a fantastical adventure uh yeah I, I think that's most of what it is you know yeah. um a younger me would probably have been like just grateful to have the game at all and an older me is <laughs> like well now that i consider myself a game designer let's nitpick and pull it apart and find 20 things to complain about i paid 59.99 for this <laughs> game and i'm gonna tell you everything i think about it yeah i'm like entitled now yeah you are But uh, I will report back because I recognize this has been kind of a bitch session, you know. Like, oh, let me find whatever holes I can poke into Breath of the Wild. Um, I I will try to find the good parts, and uh, I will play it more, and uh, I will get I will get back to you (laughs) (laughs) next week. Positive cast, positive cast. Yeah. Oh my god, I've talked for almost an hour. Oh Jeff, we got three minutes left. Ocean Horn, go. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Do you want to go into it or do you want to save it for the for the next one? Um, What are you feeling?
0: maybe there's not a lot to say about it. I mean, we'll see. Um, it is a sort of 3d Zelda like game. Um, and and I would say it's a pretty decent offering. Um, Mm. it's kind of got this like really indie feel. It's like very low poly, like very few animations. Mm. Um, I find it to be pretty artistically consistent though, which I, you know, we talked about earlier in the podcast. I think it's really, really good. Um, the puzzles are sort of interesting they're not too hard um some of like i had to look up a couple of them like oh you know what do you do here you have to move this box and then there reveals of something or another and then you know, whatever hit the button yeah um but for the most part they're like pretty intuitive and stuff like that like it sort of reminds me of like the water dungeon in zelda series sometimes mm. you know i have these things where it's like oh you go over here and you flip the switch and this hallway floods with water and then you Swim across to the staircase you couldn't get to before, and then you go down this other hallway, and you press on the lever, and the water lowers in a different section. Yep. That kind of thing.
1: Um Which is not, you know...
0: <laughs> it's pretty interesting.
1: It doesn't sound bad. I mean, the the water temple can bring up bad memories of yeah, people. But, and a lot of times, it's, you know, brought up specifically to be like, oh the water temple, right? But it doesn't sound... um too bad. Their
0: implementation was pretty good. I you know, was being nice. a little facetious with the water temple analogy, but yeah, it's yeah. just funny because it's like that exact mechanic, right? right. Where you're like, ah, oh, yes, the water temple. Like, I walk in and I already understand how this dungeon works. Yes. Um, which is not a bad design choice in a lot of ways, right? Right. Um, especially if you're going for gamers who probably came to Oceanhorn by way of being Zelda fans, right?
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: Um. So that part's pretty cool. I think that where the game really falls down um, for me is two things. One is the storyline; I think is kind of weak. So I think one of the really important aspects of doing a game like that, where it's very exploration based and very um kind of puzzle based, you know, is mm-hmm. to either kind of go one or two routes. One is to have like a really interesting story. Uh, and the other route is to have like a really interesting conversational setup Mm -hmm. like for example um i thought that uh what's that game that zelda like that's all puzzly with like the squiggly graphics Indie. oh
1: uh it'll you it'll do
0: yes it'll do yeah (laughs) it'll do so that game i thought was great and it kind of like it pulled me through to the end right like that's kind of the measure of of games sometimes right like did it pull you all the all the way to the end did you have to see did you feel compelled to see the ending yeah like were you invested in it right and you you did you beat that one right i beat it yeah i beat it and i i didn't do that right. says a lot i, I didn't 100 percent it or anything like that like my first playthrough was enough but yeah, how I many games do you beat these days right not very many that's a high praise from you and here's the thing i'm probably not going to beat ocean horn
1: so mm. spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know most here. i'll put a link in this is gamma future article like not everybody's going to beat your game and that's okay yeah beat your game so it's, it's not it's not a bad thing necessarily but yeah I, I, that feeling when you're playing a game and you're like i'm not going to finish this that's not uh it, regardless of the positive signals it's not a good thing right yeah you don't we don't want your players to be like no i don't want to beat it <laughs> you're like <laughs> it, it's fine but I, i've had enough like we're i'd good. rather play something else yeah yes. you don't you don't want that
0: no. yeah. um but anyways, yeah, I, f- I find the storyline to be a little weak, and like the dialogue isn't like super well written, and it's kind of just like this genericy like a long time ago some bad sort of dude <laughs> something or another with the that's his actual name <laughs> defeat <laughs> the, the bad sort of dude, <laughs> the bad sort of dude, yeah, <laughs> the pendant of something or another, and then it's mm. like now you must find the pendant of Earth and the pendant of Sun and the pendant of some other element. Yep. And their powers combined will something or another final boss fight, I assume. Um, <laughs> the actual
1: text reads that. <laughs> Pretty much. There once was a legend that there would be a final boss, we assume. <laughs> we assume. We're not quite sure, but it's probably, it's probably a good I mean, good it bet. was in the budget, so it right. might be there. <laughs> um, but, you know,
0: conversely, uh, I don't think that... It'll do had, like, a super compelling storyline in like the depth and character sense but um it was like the dialogue was funny and witty and the characters were like interesting you know so mm-hmm. it kind of pulled you through the game in a better way and like i find myself at that point in ocean horn right where i'm like i don't want to talk to this person i don't care what they have to say <laughs> <laughs>
1: you skip right past the content yeah you can almost imagine the developers being like wait oh man i spent like three days on that you're not gonna you're not gonna talk to that dude they're like do you want to know
0: more about the world and its history and i'm like no i, nope. I don't really care no um <laughs> but like i'm good thanks yeah i hear you um which is sad because you know i think that it has a lot of other stuff going for you like i you know i think that the execution is pretty well done the art style feels good. Like if it had a little bit more of a compelling storyline for me, if the story was a little bit more interesting, the characters were a little more interesting, then um, I think it would have been better. And I almost wonder if some of it is because of like the very sort of low budget 3d, like there's hardly any Mm. animations, right? So when someone's talking to you, they're kind of just standing there in their idle pose and like, you just get the words, right? And it's like, right. You know, in a higher budget game, You'd see like their face, and they'd be like doing emotes, like, oh
1: my God, like the world's on fire, or whatever he's saying, right? Yeah, that's something Owlboy does. I know I complained about Owlboy before, but it does that kind of stuff <laughs> really well. Complaining? <laughs> Me? complain? What are you talking... No, but, like, the character... Like, it has the exact opposite problem you're talking about, it, where it's just bursting with personality. It's just bursting with character. When you talk to anybody, they don't just have, like, an idle animation. They'll react to specific things. They have multiple emotions with all these beautiful animations that they play out when, you- when you're talking to them. It's-, it's gorgeous. But here's the thing, right?
0: Like, it's... It isn't even a technology thing necessarily, right? Like, I mean, obviously, you know, far be it for me to criticize people for the amount of content and features they have in their game. But, (laughs) you know, for example, I went back and I was starting to play Final Fantasy VI um, the other week just because I was like, you know, really looking for a couch game.
1: Mm, Um, That's a good one.
0: Yeah, the only thing that I have is uh, the Wii shop on my, not even Wii U, the first Wii. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. So, it's pretty you know, good, actually. It's pretty good. Yeah. You can play a bunch of old retro Nintendo yeah. games. So I was yeah. like, yeah, Final Fantasy VI, great. So um, I was playing that, right? And like, even with that limited ability, you know, they have, you know, just a few emotes even per character, but they use it well, right? Like when Sabin right. gets all excited about something, like he's popping around, right? And, you know, they have those like stances when they're like doing, you know, an exaggerated sort of power pose or when they're doing like a dejected pose or whatever. Right. And just you know, I just didn't get the same feeling from the characters in, in Oceanhorn.
1: It makes a difference. You know, most of the time in Final Fantasy VI, you'll see one frame, which is like, this is your sad frame, this is your happy frame, this is, you know... And at most, you'll see, like, two frames of animation, but it it did its job, right? Right. Well, I think that's the thing, right? Like, you really just need the keyframes,
0: Right, yeah. Like, that's the most important part, and... Yeah. Even if you don't want to do a full you know, 60 FPS style animation. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's not an easy problem to solve with 3D models. You know, you can't just like snap them to a new frame and have it look okay in an otherwise right. fluid world. But, you know, I, I, that, that's an area of the game where I would say like I think it would have made me care about the characters in the world a little more and I care about the dialogue if when I talked to people they had a little bit more personality, a little more pop, hmm. right?
1: Some games, I I feel like it might be a budget thing, uh, but what they'll do is when the dialogue pops up, instead of doing something in-game, which can often be a little more complicated and and therefore expensive, they'll have um, little avatars in the dialogue, right? And that's not usually too bad expense-wise, because you'll have like a single frame of the character's face. And then from there, you know, you don't really need a wide range of emotions to get the general feeling across. You know, you don't need to convey... (laughs) The full spectrum of of humanity. You know, you can get by with like excited, sad, and angry, or you know, like three will do it, right? But that that could have been an approach they could have taken if it was the kind of thing where it's like, oh man, they, you know, the rigging animations is killing us or something.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, who knows? I think that again, it could have been a decision that you or I would have made just as easily right if we were like well the trade-off is facial animations or even facial art or we have 10 more levels right and yeah that that's the thing sometimes is especially when you're indie
1: right this is an indie game yes yes well so, i think it's like triple i sort of oh. but Tim- it's like you know we were talking earlier about ducktales it's like we can decide to have really great hand-drawn animations and then you know maybe not as much time spent on the backgrounds. And then for an indie game, sometimes it's, well, we can have the game or not have the game. (laughs) Right? Like, when it boils down to that, it's like, okay, I'm sure more people would rather have the game than, you know, the animations. The game. Yeah, it would have killed us. We never would have reached that finish line or whatever. Yeah. Perhaps. Um, Yeah. So, the world is,
0: like, I feel like pretty well populated. You know, it looks kind of like, it doesn't look like a very um, sparse, like, empty indie game kind of scenario like maybe like an awl if you will (laughs) you know like where you're like okay like you know twist that knife (laughs) 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 but you know what i mean like they they took time to really make the environments very welcoming and stuff good that's good um so i think the environment design was pretty good the other big complaint i have though is the combat and the like running Mm. kind of feel not super good like again this could be like an animation thing like the running animation like doesn't feel super fluid to me i mean the Mm. animation itself isn't laggy or anything it's just it feels awkward the the way that the run animation is and i don't know it just the combat doesn't feel as tight as i would like it to be i think is it melee um it is melee yeah i mean it's it's sort of like zelda where you have like a melee attack but you also have you know you can shoot a bow and Things like that.
1: I was gonna Google it, but my browser's not even open. I'm not gonna risk that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can't do it. No. No. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Uh, I'm kind of curious. How did you? How did you find Oceanhorn?
0: Um. I had heard about it. Like, I. It, I think it made a pretty big splash when it came out, right? Because it was like you know, 3D indie Zelda like, right? Yeah. Um. And not. You know, I think it came out around the time of a lot of the zelda roguelikes so it kind of had that going for it but at the same time it wasn't a roguelike you know i think it might have come at the right time when people were getting roguelike fatigue or Mm. starting to get roguelike fatigue right um so i think it was pretty well received it was actually i think it was around 2013 or 2014 maybe but oh wow so it's like you know it's an old-ish kind of game i've just been you know
1: going through your backlog
0: yeah well i was like you know the other day so i it's funny that we talked about Breath of the Wild because like well, the reason I got to Oceanhorn was because I wanted to play Breath of the Wild and I cannot. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um. So I was like you know because I was looking on Amazon and I was like you know what let's see how much I can get a Switch for. $200 more than it retails for. I'm like no. Like it's a That's three- like double the price practically. Yeah. It's like a $300 thing and like I could afford to pay $500 for it but I'm not going to I'm not going to, I'm not going to reward people for buying up copies and selling them for, you know.
1: Yeah. And like, you know, <laughs> if you wait a couple months, they're going to be, you know, a surplus even like, we, exactly. They're going to print, they're making more. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's not <laughs> like they're out. One, It's just a, yeah, just wait a bit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyways,
0: that's, that's what I say, right? I was like, okay, well, you know, screw that. I'm going to just wait for however many months it takes and then I'll buy it whenever it's readily available and have it shipped to my door and then it'll be a great surprise one day. Right um you're like <laughs> Ooh, nintendo hey, switch <laughs> switch but you know i i couldn't curb that feeling of like i want to sit on the couch and i want to play a zelda adventure game right now <laughs> right what do you got for me world what do you got so i was going through my backlog looking at stuff and Oceanhorn was one that came up um mm. and then i remembered you know hearing good things about and also seeing like you know this is a zelda like adventure game so um i think it's good overall um it's it's pretty well executed. You know, it feels it feels pretty good. Um the content is is pretty good. Um I'd say there's like quite a bit of content. I think I'm probably about six or eight hours into the game. Um mm. and I don't think I'm really that close to being done. Um especially nice. from the hundred percent perspective. Um one thing that I think is cool is that the game is basically a series of islands. And each island, you know, is its own finite map. And it feels great because you're like, hey, I'm on an island. Of course, I can't just like run off into the ocean, you know? Yeah. Um, So when you get to the edges of the islands, like it doesn't feel like you're in this confined space. In fact, it kind of gives you the opposite feeling, right? You feel like you're in a very open space because, you know, you've got, you can see the water going off into the distance. Like you're not closed in with walls, right? Yeah. Hmm. Um, So I think they did a good job there of of perhaps making less content feel like more just because they kind of put it out in this open ocean scenario where you're kind of hopping from small island to small island. Nice. Um, and you get, basically they have sort of like a fast travel, right? You just, there's like an overworld map where you say like, Oh, what Island do you want to go to? And you click the button and then you, you know, it shows an animation of you sailing on the water. Hmm. Um, although I did have a complaint about that too, which was, (laughs) that. (laughs) so the way I was thinking about it was, uh, that is the perfect time for me to like put the controller down, take a breath, you know, get a drink of water, you know, whatever I need to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, while you're like basically en route from Island one to Island two, and you're kind of watching this boat, be a
1: human while you're traveling. Yeah. So it's sort
0: (laughs) of like, you know, it's like a small world or something, right? Where you're on this boat and the boat's on rails, but you can move the camera around. Right. Um, and then at some point in the game, you get to the dungeon and it's like, you got the pea shooter for your boat. And you're like, oh, cool. I got an upgrade for my boat. That's fun. Um, But what happens is that when you get that item, what changes in the game is that now every time you're on the boat in between islands, there's like these squid things that pop up and they'll shoot you. Mm. And if they kill you, then you'll go back to the beginning or the previous island. Right. (laughs) And so now you can't get up. Now you have to like, Shoot these stupid squid, so that you don't, you know, get reset back to the previous island, so you can get where you wanted to go. Is it at least incentivized? You get treasure for killing them, or like something? coins or something. I mean, it's like yeah, but like not in a meaningful sense. It's like so it's yeah, sure, I got three coins. Great, you know, mm-hmm. things cost a thousand coins like that. It's a drop. It, you know, it gets to the point where it's like that's a drop in the bucket. Like I could, I would easily like if I had to pay ten coins to take uh, a boat ride that didn't include the the sea monsters I would absolutely do that.
1: Wow, that says a lot. <laughs> That's right. funny that actually reminds me of Wind Waker cuz there were some encounters when you're on the boat for what felt like too long where you're like, "Oh, you again. All right, let's do this." You know, but at the same time it also had, you know, you could come across some treasure uh which would be, you know, like a really good like a, you know, impactful upgrade, like a hard container, or, you know, piece of heart or whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's some crates you can shoot that also drop, like, mana refills and stuff. But again, they're sort of like, those things are everywhere. Like, Mm -hmm. it's interesting to to look at these kinds of games because uh, I spent, you know, or not I spent, but we spent a lot of time agonizing over drop rates of things like mana. And, like, we were kind of Mm -hmm. designing ourselves in circles, like, even before we were done implementing a feature that included mana because (laughs) we were so worried about balancing this feature of mana, right? And, like, I'm playing this game and it's, like, they just give it to you every other drop, you know? Like, that, their solution right. is, like, there's just mana all the, all the time, more or less.
1: It's interesting seeing that kind of thing now because it, it feels easy when you're playing a game like Doom. You're like, oh, there's little health things and little armor things and ammo. And this is easy. Yeah, just sprinkle it around and it'll be great. But then you do it yourself and it only comes from months or years of experience. And you're like, whoa, that is an economy. I'm not, like, that is, that's the definition of that. There's an economy of health and armor and ammo. And the game design in those Doom games especially is fantastic. And obviously really well thought out. Because you do not just sprinkle crap around in a complicated economy. Because what you get out of that is this mediocre experience. Right. Right? It's only with uh, iteration and and fantastic game design where, you know, you, you see the right pickups in the right places at the right time. Yeah, so I feel like Oceanhorn
0: is more of a puzzle game, so it's okay, hmm. right? It, yeah. it almost feels like they could actually get rid of mana and just it would be a better game for it because sort of the way that it ends up happening, right, is like, for example, there was this... Um, I mean, I, I don't know. There's this puzzle where you had to like do something in succession and you had to cast two spells in a row, And I think that you could only do it if you had started with full mana, right? Like, otherwise you would cast a spell, move to the thing, press the button, hit the lever, go across the bridge or whatever. And then, like, you'd need to cast the spell a second time and you'd be out. Right. So you kind of had to start the the puzzle process with with full mana. Hmm. But there's, like, these pots all over the ground, right? And if you break a pot, it's usually something, you know, there's, like, six or eight pots in a room maybe. And if you break most of them, you're going to get like two or three mana pickups probably. Mm. So there's that. And then once you've exhausted all of those, like you can just exit the room and come back in and the pots way back and you can like farm them again for mana, Um, Mm. which, you know, in some respects, I think that that's a good design decision because the fun of the game is the puzzle, right? And so I would be very uh, upset if, you know, I got to a point where it's like, well, you're you know 15 minutes down into this dungeon and there's no mana pickups and you have no more pots so your only choice is to like go all the way out go to a shop and buy a mana potion or something like that would suck right so i certainly don't want that but at the same time it feels like what if you just got rid of mana right what if you just let me cast the spell whenever i want because it's really about the order of operations and and how and where you use the ability rather than like you know how many charges of it do you currently have
1: yeah i get you it it goes back to the, the fedegu right <laughs> cuz you know i'm climbing this steep cliff in breath of the wild and i'm like okay so there's little areas which are clearly you know kind of marked with grass like here's a solid flat plane of grass so it's almost like a checkpoint right where I've got to climb, and because my fatigue level is so low, I can't just hop over there. I gotta like, Gee, re, 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 re. and then I get there, and I hit the B button, and I drop off the cliff, and I land, and I wait, and the bar fills back up, and now I can climb to the next damn one. And I'm like, there's no experience I've had with that game yet where the fatigue bar could just go away, and the game wouldn't just be more fun. I don't think it would break anything. Yeah. So
0: uh, Oceanhorn has that too. With the fatigue bar, you can sprint.
1: Oh yeah, you mentioned that.
0: And, uh, basically like you can sprint and then, you know, it has like a recharge time, but before it's full, you can start sprinting again, but you won't sprint for as long. So you really have to like exercise some self-discipline and not just spam it, you know? And I think that that interface is worse than the alternative, right? Because, (laughs) you know, what ends up happening is like, you're like run. Okay. You're out. Okay. It filled up a little bit. Then you hit it too early. And so like you only ran for a little bit and that doesn't feel as good. You know, and then you have to wait yeah. again and then you're like, okay, I'm really going to wait for it to fill up fully this time before I sprint. And then you're just, you know, focusing on the waiting even more.
1: Just the waiting. I, I think about the waiting mechanic a lot because, you know, we made a, an early mistake in our careers with Lava Blade. Remember, there was a weight mechanic. Nope. When your health is low, go to the campfire. And it's just to me Didn't almost, <laughs> it's like, it's like you're out of ideas. Mm. I don't know, just wait. That's never once, if you drew a diagram of your <laughs> gameplay, like you're supposed to, and you ha- you understood your mechanics, never once would you be, like you were saying earlier, man, I really wish there was more waiting in this game. Yeah. I really wish I could waste people's lives a little bit more.
0: You Good know, that's for fans of
1: waiting. Never the reason people show up to play a game is to wait around. Yes. Every time I die in Heroes of the Storm, I think the same thing, right? Like, I recognize it's supposed to be punishment in some ways, but I'm like, well, how boring. Sometimes they're like, oh, you are died. Okay, well i have a minute a minute of doing nothing i'm, I'm gonna like i leave I, I, mean, did, I don't i don't quit the game i mean like i no, open a tab, tab and oh, i like yeah. look at twitter or something and i'm like snore like i'll come back in a minute i guess like it, what an, what an uninteresting mechanic and it's like it's hurtful to
0: the overall flow of the game too because i do that and then what happens is i inevitably come back 10 or 15 seconds later <laughs> than i needed to <laughs> you know and my team's been like pinging me they're pinging you 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 jackass
1: <laughs> and you're like meh tell tell blizzard to make their game less boring sorry <laughs> Vala requests goldan help yeah over and yep. over again uh yeah it's just i think if if you resort to waiting with your with your mechanics you <laughs> you need to take a walk <laughs> You need to travel, Whoa. play more games. You 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 need more inspiration. There's There's got to be a more interesting way to, to solve whatever problem you think you're solving with waiting, right? There's
0: this really interesting game that does the death mechanic great. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but it's called Spelunky. And <laughs> when you die in a multiplayer mode, you become the ghost <gasps> that can, like, blow people around. And, you know, affect the, you know... Yep, oh, i in the game. Like it's it's fantastic, right? Like it is. It's great when you're playing like a three or four player deathmatch as Splunky. It doesn't suck to die uh, yep. as much because you know you still get to move around and do things. And yeah. this is why I love playing in of the Orc. And here's the yeah, I was right? going to mention the Orc. So yeah. much fun, right? Because you never the controls aren't ever taken away from you. It just changes your mode, right? You're you're dead. You get dead, to participate, but you yeah you can participate and like you can't kill anybody, but you can slow them down. You can like you can actively uh decrease your death timer right by using his w or whatever yep um fantastic um i think lost vikings probably have like a similar feel you know it's like well you lost one viking it's okay you still got two more right yeah so and you can resurrect them
1: yeah Uh, there's uther has that where he gets another 10 seconds or something to to heal the crap out of out of your teammates before you finally expire um who's the not Arthas? the material right uh, after he dies, he can roam around and then he explodes after like a few seconds, and it does pretty high damage, and that's fun. And but like especially Leoric, like you were saying, because that was that's the one where like there's really no reason to ever stop. You know, if you want to play the kind of game where there is no waiting in Heroes of the Storm, that's Leoric for you. Yes. So I really hate
0: waiting, and my two favorite characters <laughs> almost are Leoric and Murky. Uh because, oh, Mur- yeah. Yeah, like Murky, Murky comes right way. back. Like, you just like he dies, and you're like, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just respawn and hit you with slime or whatever
1: back in a bit (laughs) yeah that my favorite character is Falstad, and it's kind of for the same reason like as a as a weak assassin you constantly have to be hard thing but i don't mind at all because i hearth and i zoom right back into the action it takes like 10 seconds yeah it's great that's the other
0: thing you have to march back from the from the hall of storms or whatever when you die yeah it's like not only did you wait but then you have to like traipse across the entire map right i mean you know in a multiplayer game, obviously, like, it's a much different design problem than it is in a single-player game, right? Like, there's almost no excuse for waiting, probably, in a single-player game.
1: That's the thing, yes. Like, there is, you know, it is a punishment, and you being out of the game for a minute can have drastic gameplay implications, right? Like, that can that can make or break a game, is whether or not, you know, like, you're, um, you're like, one of your best characters is out of gameplay at a critical moment for, for, like, a minute, you know? And the games only last between, what, like 15 to 30 minutes, something like that. That can yeah. make a big difference. But in Breath of the Wild, what are you doing other than helping people die? You're <laughs> pushing them towards the grave faster. You have to sit here on this cliffside and wait for five seconds and do that five times. Like, you've just stolen 25 seconds. My- it's a single-player game, and there's no <laughs> counter. Why am I waiting? What am I waiting on? Right? The game, it, it, at that point, it doesn't feel like it's a game made for humans. It's not made for me. Right? Right? Yes. Yeah. That Sid Meier quote: "There's, there's three kinds of games. There's, there's uh, games where the computers having all the fun. Games where the designers having all the fun, and games where the player is having all the fun. And in a single player game with a weight mechanic, but who the player is not having all the fun. But the designer have fun designing the weight mechanic.
0: Does the I don't computer think so. like executing idle cycles?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the c- computer doesn't <laughs> care, right? And the designers are like, they're like, well, it's done. I mean, I, I have a great idea for it, but you know." ship it (laughs) (laughs) right yes uh how many times have we been there
0: this uh, 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 ship it
1: no i mean you know i mean i don't know how to solve this problem i just think that um maybe if um let's let the users deal with it yeah maybe if we just make them wait (laughs) (laughs) thumbs up review five stars
0: yeah i mean it's hard you know because like you know you look at the past conversations and you can kind of understand how you know ourselves and other designers probably got there right for sure like there needs to be a punishment for dying right like that was a thing with lava blade right it was like it was meant to be a a punishment right it was like okay well if you did badly right and you took too much damage then your choices are either spend gold to heal all your units right which is like a resource that you don't want to have to spend right or you can wait but the problem with those choices right is that You've set up the game to be like highly coveting this gold, right? Like yeah. people aren't going to part with the gold for essentially no reason, right? Um, and so I think a lot of people will just accept the waiting, which is a worse user experience. And so not only, you know, are they making the choice that's worse for them, but they're kind of ensuring that they're going to be unhappier about the game later on.
1: So we've seen games not terribly long ago, especially, you know, indie games, which have more room to be innovative, do things to remove the waiting, right? So like with Super Meat Boy, for example, the inspiration was Super Mario Brothers, which is pretty obvious. And the whole thing was like, how do we not sacrifice the gameplay? Like it is a side-scrolling platformer and is pretty brutal. But how do we make that accessible for today and make that more fun to play than like, okay, you're on, you know, level seven and you got near the end, see that freaking flagpole and you died and you're like, son of a bitch. And you have to go all the way back. <laughs> right. Or like, yes. you know, oh, you died. And here's the drastic long death animation. Brrr, oh, and you've died. And then there's this menu and then you have to go back and listen to this cutscene and blah, blah. right like Super Meat Boy just bypassed all that stuff. You die. Pfft, squish. Okay. Start again. Like, instantly, right? Yeah. And, and not even if that... Because that's, like, the the core, like, the hook of the game, right? But even stuff like um scapegoat, right? Puzzles. You die. Ooh, you're dead. Right back. You know? Come right back to the game. Uh, You want to remove the waiting whenever possible. I agree. Waiting is bullshit, that's what it I'm is. trying to say. At least in a single-player game. Like, I can say... Okay, like a timeout in hockey, right? Like, that's, that's dying in hots, right? And I get it. Like, it has you messed up and it has implications on on the game and I understand at least but when it is player versus you know CPU like what are you doing waiting
0: <laughs> yeah well multiplayer has a completely different ball of wax right
1: totally different yes yeah
0: but it still sucks right
1: it's still not fun yeah Interesting. Anyways. Well, I, I hogged this uh you still like yeah, I got to talk about half an hour. It's pretty good. I, I hogged most of it though. I talked like twice as long. Mm-hmm. It's the match show, everybody. Um I gotta say though, I'm proud of both of us because it wasn't terribly long ago. We're both like, oh, we never play any new games. <laughs> yet yet we
0: still managed to talk about both Spelunky and Hots in this podcast.
1: Oh, we did, you're right. <laughs> it has been zero episodes since we mentioned Spelunky. Damn. Yep. That's okay. I forgive us because we are at least playing uh, new games. So Yes. And I might play another new one. What? I don't know what. This is crazy. Who are you? <laughs> what, is, what is
0: it? A bizarre, Jeff. I don't know. I just mean I enjoyed playing. Mm. I enjoyed the experience of playing a new game in Oceanhorn. And even though I'm not probably going to finish it, um, I had a good enough time that I was like, yeah, I should really play more, you know, random, you know,
1: six or eight hours of a random game on Steam that, you know, kind of piques my interest. Anxious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, and I think that there are takeaways. We learn stuff, you know? Every time you play a game, because we can't help it these days. Like, can you play any game and not be in the back of your mind like, oh, no, analyzing? it doesn't and, happen. It, it's impossible <laughs> these <laughs> it's, days, right? And get this. Okay, this is in the, the notes, like um the the stuff that we haven't gotten to talk about in Lost Cast yet. Downwheel, Owlboy, Hitscan, Kingdom, Goner, Hot, The Witness, Pony Island, The Stanley Parable, and Breath of the Wild, which I talked about today, finally. But there's at least like 10-ish games. And that's not even... That's not comprehensive. There's there's a bunch of games I've been playing recently I'm eager to talk about and and pick apart. Hey, let's be honest. Probably complain about it. <laughs> <laughs> Well,
0: Lost Cast is nothing if not honest. Complain cast. That's
1: right. Breath of the Complaint or something. Yes. Anyway. Complaint of the um, Wild? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really what the podcast is all about. It's, it's always been about game development, right? But, like, game is the first part and like you can learn so much so we talked about just by playing games and analyzing them and
0: uh yeah i want to do more of that this was a lot of fun i really thought you were gonna say that the podcast has always been about complaining
1: <laughs> probably <laughs> uh astute listeners might go back really? listen to hello world and we're like hey we're jeff and matt Let me tell you what six. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true it's five years of complaining about html5 and never stopping using it maybe briefly that's
0: stockholm syndrome for you
1: yes (laughs) (laughs) html 5 has his hostage you will never escape the grip of javascript and we're like
0: okay i love you we're psychologically damaged (laughs) oh that's good stuff anyways um that's it for this week um we have a interview coming up
1: Oh, we do. That's this week. So that'll air um, next episode. So we'll get to the questions pretty soon. We do appreciate them. We will get to them. Uh, thanks for those. And yeah, interview with uh, someone who's been on the show before, but has a new hot thing to talk about. Ooh. It's a game dev tool. Next it's week cool. on Lost yeah. Guest. Next week. To Lost. be continued. I think our, our patrons will get that one early, probably. Ooh. Because that's a thing we can do. So that is a thing it. that we can do. And we should, <laughs> because why not? Because why not? Yeah. So cool yeah uh speaking of which check us out on patreon.com slash lost ticket games follow us on twitter twitter.com slash lost ticket games join us in discord i'll put a link in the show notes there's always people in there talking about their projects really cool people uh jeff and i are in there sometimes and uh yeah come in and talk to us and uh thanks for listening ship it these days. One
0: of, the, one of these days, Metronome. Bang, one of these two. days, Metronome. Pow.
1: <laughs> Straight to the moon.